Hello and welcome back to a special collaborative series that is running as a joint project between the SA Pioneering Podcast and the Some Sort of Miracle Podcast. In this series, we'll be working through a new free online training platform that the Salvation Army's pioneering team have put together. At our roots, we are a missional movement formed in and around the missional DNA. It is imperative that as a movement in today's world, we as believers engage with the edges and margins of society. Our belief is that while some are pioneers, all are called to pioneering. By pioneering, we mean to break new ground and reach new people in new ways. This course has been especially designed to introduce you to this missional DNA, connect you to others on the journey of pioneering, and support you as you explore God's calling on your life. If you'd like to join us on this journey, we'd love to invite you to sign up to the training course at pioneerbitesize.com. My name is Ed, and I'm joined uh, on today's episode by Lauren. Hello. By Paul. Hello. And by Sam. Hello. And we have two new voices here uh, from our last episode, uh, Paul and Sam. So would you be all right to just give a quick introduction to who you are and what you do? I'm going to start with Paul. I'm Paul, as I said. I um, live in Batley and I go to Salvation Army in Morley. Um, and I work for an organization called Christians Against Poverty. We're a debt advice service. Thank you very much, Paul. Sam. Uh, I'm Sam. I work for the Salvation Army at the online church, the online core, Plexus Salvation Army. We've got a lot of names. I don't know why. <laughs> um, we are a church, a new initiative from the Salvation Army that are a church that does online church, not to be confused with church online. Mm. Yeah. So we, rather than like maybe live streaming a church service and bringing what church services to the internet, we look at how we can do church things like fellowship, praying and learning and listening to God on the internet in a way that works for people who spend a lot of time on the internet as a lot of people do. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm excited to hear kind of your perspective on things as we go and talk about um, what we're going to be talking about today, which I'm going to say now is discipleship, which is very exciting. Uh, yeah, so thanks for being on the episode, guys. On today's episode, we will be looking at the second part of the MDNA, discipleship and disciple making. And to guide us through this discussion, we have Sam Jones. Sam has worked for the Salvation Army since 2001 and is now a territorial envoy. Sam says she is blessed to have been able to remain in Newtown that whole time and there have been su sufficient changes over those years for it to feel like a continually new appointment. Sam is happily married to Ian, a postman with three children who all live in Wales. The biggest challenge facing the church today is discipleship and the quality of it. Pioneering and growing movements have at their very heart the ability to multiply and encourage both the growth of disciples and the environment of discipleship making. A church without disciples, is it a church at all? Or is it simply a club or an institution? There is little doubt that the nature of the shrinking church in the West can be directly correlated to the quality of disciple making. Discipleship is a live and massive issue for today's church. 
but I need to say that discipleship has always been one of the biggest challenges for the church. When we look at the life of Jesus, everything he modelled and encouraged was centred in and around a culture of developing disciples. We know that those first believers were known as followers of the way and then as Christians at Antioch for the first time because they were obsessed with being like little Christs. There is a saying that healthy disciples grow healthy disciples and healthy leaders grow healthy leaders and a healthy church births new churches. Multiplication of disciples is foundational for a movement's momentum and stops them stagnating and losing their way. So one of the things that I found really interesting from that clip um, is where Sam talks about church. Well, churches without disciples are not churches at all. They're simply clubs or institutions. And it reminded me of a phrase that I've used in conversations a few times um, of country club mentality in churches. And I don't know whether you know what I'm talking about there, but the sort of mentality that isn't really focused on being disciples of Christ, but that mentality that's focused more about what are the activities, what are the program, what are the the nice things that we all do and we've always done so they're just nice like that sort of focus rather than a focus on Jesus and a focus on discipleship a focus on engaging in God's mission in the world I wonder is that has that been a prevalent mentality that you've seen in your experience of church or is that something you've not really come across uh yes yes excellent I hope that answers all your questions go on um yeah I think in especially in established church there are so many traditions, so many things that people are just used to doing that we end up forgetting the reason that we do mm. any of them, or at least a lot of them, um, which which means that we're, we're not centering God in that. We're just doing it because we've always done it. A lot of them will have started off with good intentions, mm. um, but that's been lost at some point. And they're still being done because people enjoy doing them or people are comfortable doing them. So there are still positives there but they're not focused on god or discipling or getting closer to god sure and i think it comes down to comfort zone doesn't it because i think often like we talk about discipleship being costly Hmm. um and like we want to go to church and we want to feel good about it and we we want it to be a nice place to be and things and and often those things that bring us out of our comfort zones we just kind of shy away from and i think that's why we end up Hmm with that country club mentality because people people are afraid to have the difficult conversations are afraid to be holding each other accountable and things um and yeah I think it's really difficult yeah it's a good point because discipleship can be really uncomfortable as well can't it it can kind of force you into areas that you may not naturally want to go yourself um so yeah I, I think you're absolutely right we can become very comfortable and safe and risk averse I guess and I, I think I, I actually, I googled what the definition of discipleship was. Well, that is that's so, Paul's job on this podcast. So you've oh, stepped sorry. into, uh, you've stepped into some. <laughs> it's really on my screen. It's on my screen. Sam. <laughs> All right. No, go for it though. What, it's yours I'll now. Go. It's yours. What What does discipleship mean, Paul? Um, no, no. I want to hear it from you. No, now, you, Sam. you, you. T- I, I'm, right. I'm not going to stay in the tradition. You can tell me if that. I'm right or not. Um, 
Well, I when I it's to do with following a teacher. Mm. So to be a disciple, you need to be able to learn. And I think is that right, Paul? He's nodding. <laughs> yeah. So I realized we, we nodding want... wasn't very good on a podcast, so I probably should speak. <laughs> we we as disciples, we aim to learn from Jesus and follow him. Um and I think a lot of the time in churches, there's often the idea that people like to feel like they know what's going on hmm. and they know everything and like to come across like they know everything, which I can be guilty of myself, I guess, in some ways. Um, but we need to create a culture of disciple making involves creating a culture of trying to learn and learn hmm. from each other. Yeah. And it's a lot of humility, I guess, required for that as well, because you like everyone then in the church has to acknowledge that um, they're, we're not creating disciples of, of me. They're not creating disciples of our church leader. We're creating disciples of Jesus. And that ultimately means that, you know, they're, they're not following us. They're, they're following God. Um, so <laughs> got to move yeah. ourselves out of that, that kind of hierarchy in some sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's important what you said about... Um like the the learning like it's not we're constantly learning I think sometimes within our churches we forget that we're all still on a journey no matter how long we've been there and how long we've been a Christian and how long we've been following Jesus that actually the learning never stops and I think sometimes the again the country club mentality comes in when people think they've got it sussed and oh well I, I, I've done my bit like and I know what I'm doing I know how to be a good Christian and it's like well okay, like you you might be further along the journey than somebody else, but like we're never going to be fully like Christ. So there's always room for improvement, isn't there? Yeah, I think sometimes we forget as well that like even if you are further along the journey, you can still learn from the people that you're sort of journeying with, even if you're leading the race, however, I, I hate the sound <laughs> of that phrase, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah, like a top-down sort of ministry where we're kind of, these people need our help, but I don't need help from anyone else. So I'm just going to help them and that's all that's going to happen in this relationship Mm. it's a really closed off mentality there was another interesting quote um from that little section there um which uh, sam said healthy churches birth healthy churches and i found that a really interesting one because you know i've grown up in church all my life and I, i i couldn't name one of the churches that i grew up that actually birthed another church in that sort of traditional well maybe not traditional but in in that model of a large church sending off a little planting group from that church and growing in that multiplication model that's not something we see often in the salvation army i'm not going to say it doesn't happen because i think it does and you know we as a denomination plant into different places but what do you think of that uh that statement there healthy churches birth healthy churches i think it's it's definitely true we we disciple if we're discipling people well in those churches some of those people will naturally want to pioneer in well i think every disciple will naturally want to pioneer in some form whether that's by taking on what's already there and improving it or driving it forward Mm. um or by going somewhere new completely so I think if, if the church is healthy, it's discipling well, those disciples will want to go and pioneer somewhere else. So at least some of them will. Yeah. Um, so I think healthy churches will be born of that. I wonder if maybe some of those pioneers, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say we don't restrict it, 
But I can think of people who have gone off and planted new churches or gone off and started new initiatives, not through the Salvation Army as such. Some, some not at all. Some have gone to different denominations or started their own groups yeah. and churches and things. So um, I'm not going to say they're not completely unhealthy churches, but I definitely think the Salvation Army in general doesn't focus on planting new churches anymore. Yeah, I think it kind of, I guess, depends what you define a birthing a new healthy church as. Um, I think, like, I'm thinking of, like, I go to Sale Core. Um, and during the week, they've got so many different communities going on in the church building um, that are all birthed from the Sunday service, um, yeah. the main church community. But like bringing people in from the outside the church community, from like the local community. So I guess if you see, depends how you d- look at what the church that's being created is and looks like. That's a really interesting perspective. I like that, Sam. You have to answer what church is before we... Oh, have you Googled that one and you want, you want to claim a point no, back? I can't, I can't. I tried. I did try. Definition of church is probably more than a, a de- Google definition can give me, to be honest. Sure. I mean, the the working definition I tend to go with when talking about church is uh, a body of people who uh, worship together um, disciple each other and engage in mission together that up in and out i love that that model of church um and yeah i i think all of those those functions are important as a church as a body of believers a body of christ followers um so i guess that's what i would talk about but i i definitely agree that it's it's a big word to throw around and perhaps people see different things in it because i'm a guess by my definition some some people would discount other churches or include things that maybe I wouldn't. So I, I don't know. It's, it is a hard thing to to nail down exactly what is and isn't church. The idea of churches birthing churches is quite a scary one at times because for a, a he- happy, healthy, successful church to send a bunch of people off to go and plant somewhere else will feel like a loss to that church. Um, and it can become quite a scary thing, I guess, when you're sending off people because it, it, you, you could see it as, a, oh, well, we're losing some of our best people there or we're, we're weakening ourselves to start something new. But it was interesting, I guess, when you think about this model being a really, um, a really biblical one in some senses or a really strong one for multiplication of churches, you, you could say that actually you need to rely on that, that God's um, abundance, that economy of abundance that God actually provides a lot more. So you can be more free in your giving of people, of time, of money, resources, anything like that, because quite often small churches, when they're starting off, need, need help from denominations or wider or bigger churches as well for their finances, don't they? I mean, I think it's a really humbling experience for churches because it, it, constantly makes them realign and ensure and kind of self-check that they're not serving themselves yeah um and they're not serving their own needs and their own wants and their own desires for their church which yes it's on it's important that we that we have wants and desires and visions for our churches Mm. but actually we've we've got to let god lead that and the spirit lead that um and it i suppose it could be it it can be a really humbling experience for churches to to birth these healthy churches because it just gets them to self-check. 
why why they're doing what they're doing. James Hay was one of the founding pioneers who helped shape the Salvation Army in Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, Canada, Scotland and England. As an 18-year-old corps officer, he would have as many as 1,600 people each Sunday in his corps, sitting under his guidance and leadership. He opened almost 10 new corps every year for a whole decade when he was the territorial commander in one territory, with thousands of new converts coming to faith in the 1880s where he built 426 Salvation Army buildings in that same decade. He's famously quoted as saying, I would appeal to younger Salvationists, men and women alike, let us do more than admire or give respect to those who have, under God, made this army. Why can you not do as they did? You have an army functioning throbbing with life. You have a world almost chaotic for the lack of Christianity. You have souls hungering for gratification but who are daily seeking in poisoned wells. You have a grand challenge to win men for Christ. Are you ready to respond as we did? Souls won for Christ is eternal work. Give your life to it. Hay created a culture under the guidance of the Holy Spirit of disciple making. So Matthew 28, 16 to 20 says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am always with you to the end of the age. I'm sure many of us are familiar with that passage of scripture, um, the Great Commission, I guess, as it's sometimes called. I wonder what what those words mean to you in your context, especially when it talks about going and making disciples uh, I imagine for each of us that may look slightly different, but I'm sure um, there will be some overarching themes that are, are the same in all of our context. Yeah, I think there's there's people in in different areas that I would probably think of discipling in different ways and in different sort of spheres of influence. Um, you said earlier about up in and out, Ed, and I yeah. think those three, well, two of those three, one of them is personal, so I'm not going to talk as much about that one. Um, but I think there are like close close friends close people that are like close to me at church and things that um i might have more of a direct impact with um when we do things like this podcast or um small groups bible study things like that um and even just sort of spending time with on a, a long-term basis um and then i think of people that i'm maybe not quite as close to people like work colleagues who i still have a, an impact on um, and how my everyday actions sort of can sort of is it like a third party discipling sort of like just not not directly but almost just by proxy of me being around them the influence I have on them I guess that's more of a when than a how 
Yeah. You've dodged um, the question very expertly. The how is a lot more difficult, but I'll leave that to my esteemed colleagues. Sam, I, I wonder what this looks like in your kind of digital world. Yeah, I think I might equally skip the how. No, I won't skip the how. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll try not to. Um, I think one of our main aims in a whole broadly explained kind of sense is to encourage people to do church church being what we discussed earlier a lot of different things yeah um encouraging people to engage with jesus where they are um and to try and because people spend on average i've got some facts here uh, on average two and a half hours a day on the internet and young people can spend up to five hours a day on the internet which is a crazy amount of time considering the amount of time you're awake um so if if we as the online church is that the right way yeah online church um can encourage people to engage with jesus in some of that time mm. then that's a positive of course it's positive because jesus is kind of like our aim to make people follow jesus as a disciple um um, and I think from following on from that, if we can then build relationships with them and then have them to become part of a community mm. of our church, then hopefully it grows from there. Mm. Did I answer the question? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. And it, it's it's really interesting because discipleship, I'm, I'm sure we've all heard the phrase whole life discipleship, haven't we, where we talk about discipleship that takes part of, you know, every aspect of our lives, whether it's our work, our our church interactions. And I think the online world kind of merges with that idea really well, because, you know, most of us carry around a, a smartphone in our pockets and we're constantly contactable through the online world. We are um yeah able to access twitter or facebook or social media in some way we're able to contact our friends through instant messaging or video calling there are so many ways that we're connected in a way that we've never been connected before in the history of human race is there so i think the impact of the digital world on discipleship is something that's huge and something that we're gonna to have to really explore as as this is our reality now because it's it's certainly changing the way we interact with we interact as humans so of course it's going to affect the way we interact in our discipleship yeah and if we can harness that power of communication yeah for the end goal of people following jesus then it can go crazy Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. A little bit more time to think about the how now. Oh, okay. I'm intrigued. Uh, um, and I'm going to refer back to last episode, um, which I wasn't on, but you should definitely listen. Hey. You can find that in the listener group. This That's is my... Paul just showing off that he did the homework and listened to the episode yeah. in advance. I did preparation. You need to be proud of me. It's not something <laughs> I normally do. <laughs> I mean, of course I do that. Of course yeah, I prepare course. every time. Um. But I think just pointing to to God being Lord of your life mm. and that he should be Lord of everyone's life, however you do that in your own time, is discipleship, isn't it? Mm. So the specifics of how are going to change person to person massively and situation to situation. And you might never disciple in the same way that you discipled last week. Mm. But as long as what you're doing is pointing towards jesus being the lord of your life then that is the aim isn't it 
and that is discipling. It's important to know that if we as a church do not set about disciple making, society certainly will. We only need to look at the way media subtly and cleverly disciple people. They spend millions of pounds every day manipulating our sense of self and self-worth. The sole purpose of advertising is to create a desire for something, a wanting, a sense of I need that. We are encouraged to sign up, commit for a time period. The reality is that anyone who comes to Jesus in a Western society has already been discipled as a consumer. So often, this inherent culture prevails within the church and has a major impact on the quality and ability of discipleship and making disciples. It has been said that consumerism is the alternative religion of our day. How do we make disciples in a cultural context? The reality is that all too often, the moment it gets tough and hard, people walk away. Consumerism has been so ingrained and created people to think the way that they do. Discipleship is all about becoming more and more like Jesus by firstly denying ourselves, laying down our self-centered pursuits and choosing to follow Jesus and his leading. The disciples first question needs to be, what does the Lord require of me? Jesus invests himself in the three and the 12 and even the 72, building a disciple-making movement. He empowers and releases them by example. Jesus could never have built the radical Jesus movement based on consumers. It would never have gained traction or attracted anyone to come, join and stay. Thus, in his disciple making, continually took everyday situations of life and drew out kingdom truths. He continually reminded them and pointed people towards their eternal father. Jesus encouraged them that they would see even greater things than he had done. Today, we need to pioneer and propose an alternative way of living. We need to set out and seek opportunities and pioneer opportunities for people to encounter the life-transforming work of Jesus and then to go about and do something about it. Like James Hayes' early pioneering example, disciples are always about others, their neighbours, and they are not obsessed with their own gratification and desires. They cannot help but share their faith through their words, deeds and actions. They invest and dig deep into their community, impacting those people within the community with the good news. This investing in discipleship and disciple making all help to grow and mature their faith. No wonder Jesus proclaimed, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto him.
So that's quite a, a major point I think she makes there about the, the challenge of consumerism in our world today. The challenge that we're all being discipled by this consumerist mentality. And actually that idea can begin to shape us as people, can begin to shape our relationships, and it can shape us as a church. And I wonder what you guys think is the answer. <laughs> you need to come up with a nice, quick, easy answer here that will solve consumerism in the church. And I'm sure we have the wisdom in the room uh, to deal with that. So uh, over to you guys. Nothing? Silence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's not do that. Let's say... Um, what do you think about this consumerism thing? We're not going to try and solve it all right away. Let's maybe we set the bar too high. Is this something you've considered um, previously? Is this something that you've you've thought about before? Yeah, we've thought about it a lot. I think um, a lot of churches have. It's, we've kind of been slapped in the face with it yeah. because of the pandemic. Because people people had the option to just consume mm. church basically um, by doing church online. Um, yeah um so i think it's, it is definitely something that's at the forefront of a lot of um leadership teams and things of how how we stop this culture of take 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 and actually how do how do we serve as a church yeah i think like like lauren said it's never been more prevalent in society in general that we're just a really passive culture at the moment where we've been told for you know 18 months in a pandemic that it's okay to just do nothing and that, that's kind of what we have to do. Um, it's easy to fall into that pattern of not doing anything. Um, um, I think it's important for people to take rest and to keep reflecting on their priorities. And a lot of people have done that coming out of COVID. And um, I think some people have chosen to step back because they don't want to be... Um, I don't know what the right word is. I guess I, people maybe don't see the benefit in what they were doing before and I think that's maybe a failing of the church previously to to show the reason for it and we've been brought up in tradition without knowing why and what we should be what we should be centered in and how we should do that um, and I think not having church has left people feeling a bit empty but but no different to before really just with less to do and I guess even before when we were as a church engrossed in the culture of productivity like that is still part of this consumerism so even though like you've just talked about the opposite of being allowed to do nothing like the absolute polar opposite of that is just as toxic in that we just do 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 without any thought or like you say rest or sabbath or opportunities to reflect and evaluate and I just think we, we've slipped into real worldly habits that that are not of Jesus and they don't reflect the rhythms that Jesus taught us in the gospels of, of yes, there is time for that. There is time for productivity. There is time for teaching. There is time for journeying with people, but then there has to be that time for rest and mm. Sabbath. Yeah. I think it's interesting talking about the relationship between this consumerist mentality and the pandemic and I think it, it can be an easy thing to say that the pandemic has caused us to be consumeristic. 
But I think it it's much scarier than that. I think the pandemic has unveiled the consumerism that's been there for a long time. I think in a way it's just opened our eyes to to what what's been going on in the church. Um, because this consumerism and this consumerist mentality, I think it runs really deep. And I think, um, actually, I do think there is an easy answer to it. I think it's discipleship, <laughs> which um, is going to come back to like the, the themes today. And discipleship isn't easy, so it's kind of a, it's not an easy answer, but it's a short answer um, when you're just saying the word. Um, but yeah, I, I think that perhaps what we what we've, missed out on when we've made church a product that we can consume when we've reduced it to a, a package that is really attractive that we can sell to people we've missed out on this whole life of following Jesus of trying to live like him and trying to be challenged by the way that Jesus moved in the world and trying to seek him in his mission that he's actively working in today that that is a that is a whole different kettle of fish than showing up on a Sunday and being given a product and saying oh that's made me feel all nice warm and fuzzy I'm going to go away and then when when I start to uh, to miss it I'll come back next week or maybe the week after it's actually about uh, shaping our lives to follow Jesus shaping our lives to actually engage with with him in in what he's doing in the world and yeah, I think that's much more exciting as well. I think that is life in all its fullness. It's a gift that the church has to give to the world. It's not, it's not a, a, an extra cost, but it will seem like that in the face of consumerism, if that makes sense. In a in a way, I think we, as we come into, we go to church as individuals to try and follow Jesus, and learn from Him. Uh, with the end goal of trying to be as much like him. And Jesus spent most of his time. I like the quote that she, that Sam said in that video where she said, Jesus used everyday parts of life and drew out the kingdom truths. Um, so in a way, if we're trying to be like Jesus, we also need to do the same, which I think sometimes we forget because the end goal is following Jesus and to follow Jesus, you have to be like him. and share jesus and i guess that's what discipleship is now yeah. that question answered next episode yeah. Boom. there we go i mean i joked about us having the answer to consumerism but there we go we've <laughs> sold it <laughs> i i think it's a it's an interesting it really is an interesting conversation and i think it's one that we're gonna it, we're gonna be having throughout our lives i think in the church we're we're gonna be wrestling with this question of how we deal with living in a society that's pushing us in one direction and trying to hold to a gospel that's pulling us in another. And I guess in many ways, that's what the church has always had to deal with. Um, but the, yeah, the, the issue of today very much feels like consumerism. Um, yeah. I think if we're not doing that, that's a sign that there's something wrong. Yeah. yeah. We should always be looking at how we're discipling and how we're being different to the world. Mm. Pioneering story. This is my story about discipleship. And when I came back to faith as a young mum, a young adult, I was very fortunate to come to faith under the leadership of people who believed in discipleship, who believed in community, they believed in hanging out together and using ordinary everyday opportunities to look at Jesus, to be pointed back to the Father. So this meant Lots of hanging around with toddlers, toilet training, 
drinking tea, lots of toast being strewn around. There were lots of opportunities to work out and find out what does it mean to be a young parent who loves Jesus and to model that discipleship, not just to one another, but also to our children. I love uh, that story there that Sam shares um, because it points to something really interesting. I think we can often fall into a trap of putting up a barrier between our spiritual and our secular lives, almost as if um, we can go to Sunday and be holy then and focus on our discipleship. Then we go away and uh, when we're, you know, doing the washing up, when we're, uh, what's the three that she mentions? Toast, toddlers and toilet training. I thought that was great. Um, what does discipleship look like in those moments? Is that any less a part of our journey in following Jesus as our stuff that we do on our Sunday is? I, and I, I love that she doesn't see that barrier there, that, that that barrier doesn't exist, that discipleship pervades every element of her life. And I think that's so true that actually we are no less following Jesus, doing the, the stuff that we consider mundane and that we just need to do than we are when we're doing, you know, the the sexy stuff, the all the really cool um, churchy thing. Maybe it's not sexy. Maybe, maybe it's just... Um, boring to some people i'm getting some like really weird looks from this po- uh, zoom please call stop here. saying the word sexy okay um pretend i didn't say that listener uh, we're gonna count um so yeah what how do you view discipleship in all like in those ordinary areas of your life do you kind of see that as part of your your journey of following jesus as well i think uh, we quite often separate yeah every we like to compartmentalize as people um, we like to put things in boxes and know where that is and what that's for. And I think we do it with the word pioneering as well. It's very easy to say, oh, well, um, you're a pioneer because you're doing this, but I'm not a pioneer because I'm just doing normal church. And actually there's space to pioneer everywhere. And yeah. I think it's the same with discipleship. We, um, I did it earlier when I was thinking about the different spheres that I disciple in and how that works. Mm. Um, but it should be a constant looking up and following Jesus and looking around and following and learning with the people that we do life with. It should just be a, a constant, where is, where is God in this and how can I be closer to God and show other people that I'm closer to God? Yeah. It's like we remember that what we go to church on a Sunday or whenever you go to church. And then once you've been, that's when the real work starts when you get home and, you've got to you've been filled up and then you've got to go share it with everybody and then you go back and you get filled up and you talk to people who also are in the same boat following jesus and agree with you and then you go out again Mm. and it just keeps repeating and i think that's why it's so crucial that we do church i don't really like that phrase but that we do church in different spaces because i think we have to give ourselves permission to to go out and find God in those places but then kind of teach each other how to do that and I think um often as a church we fall short in that respect in that we do all of our program and all of our our activities in the church building so that people think they have to come to the church building to meet with God Mm. and we all know from our own personal experience that that's not the only place you can meet with him but actually is the way that traditionally we've set up our churches to to teach to disciple people have we created this culture where 
people's expectation is that they can only meet God in those places. And again, I think the pandemic highlighted that that can be the case for a lot of a lot of Christians that yeah. they, they can only do church if they're at the army at their specific time of the week. Yeah, it, I think it, it, that feeds into that sort of risk averse um, mentality, isn't it? That we we want to make sure we can control everything that happens. So we do it in our churches and our buildings, in the places that we have the power and the and the privilege and the 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 control. Um, and I think that actually going into spaces where we are the guest has huge power as well. And, you know, if we're saying we're going to focus on discipleship and live more like Jesus, how much time did he spend as the guest? <laughs> so much of his ministry, he went to other people's houses and he let them be the host. He he let them have the power and the, and the control. He, gave, he put himself in these risky positions where, where, you know, maybe we didn't know what was going to happen. And I think we as the church have something to learn there because we want to hold on to the power we want to make sure we know what's going to happen in any given scenario um perhaps yeah we need to we need to go and step into that place of guest a little bit more uh, and i wonder perhaps as well that whether that has something to say towards um consumerism in the church too um, that's why i always invite myself to your house for tea ed what is that to it? Be more like jesus and be the guest i thought that was because sophie can cook well <laughs> it that's a happy byproduct. <laughs> okay. But it's mainly the Jesus part. Yeah. <laughs> a pioneering army of disciples will bring about radical personal and community transformation, but an army of consumers will never be satisfied. A pioneering army of disciples will understand it's far greater to give than to receive, but an army of consumers will always want more for themselves. A pioneering army of mobilised disciples will grow a movement of daring dreamers and passionate believers. A movement will and must have discipleship at its core. But an army of consumers will be absorbed by their inward needs and serving each other. Where there is disciple making embodied in any organisation, there will be movement, dynamic movement. There is real dynamism released in the one and the three and the twelve. Twelve disciples can make a radical difference. How about it? Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you being here with us. Just want to quickly mention two listener groups um, for you to access. If you want to engage further in this conversation, you can do that on the Pioneer Bite Size, which we really encourage you to do. Uh, but you can also do that on social media by connecting up with the SA Pioneering Listener Group on Facebook or the SSOM Listener Group. And we'd love to carry on the conversation there. But we'd also like to point you towards a podcast that Sam is involved with creating so could you tell us a little bit about it uh yes uh so i'm involved with creating as part of the online core plexus we do a podcast called sailor time to pause Ooh. where we encourage people to pause take time out of their day in the midst of their lives to pause catch their breath and draw near to god so it's basically a sailor is a time to pause and listen to god and spend time with him um, to kind of recharge and listen to what he's got to say. Excellent. And where, where can we find that? You can find that on your favourite podcasting service Excellent. by searching for Sailor, time to pause. That's Sailor, S-E-L-A-H, time to pause. 
Perfect. Thank you, Sam. Go and listen to it. It's great. Um, we will be back with our next episode um, in two weeks' time, and we'll be discussing the missional incarnational impulse. So if you want to find out what those words mean, and we will try and find out in the meantime, uh, yeah, join us in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Be well. <laughs>